on the last thrilling episode of So How About This. Rafiq Shaheen, Alan Dempsey, and Stephen Marlin were about to discuss crazy open mic experiences. And now, loyal listener, stay tuned for the final chapter by the fuck. just reminded me that I have two so I'll start uh I was at an open you know I was probably the improv and there was a guy up there he was clearly very new just eating shit and at some point he said I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) and I just immediately I was so I started walking around all the other comics and go, don't worry, guys. He's just kidding. Guys, he's just kidding. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It was because the whole audience was taking him seriously. That's why I wasn't. But I'm at a comedy show holding a microphone. I'm just kidding. He's getting around. I'm just kidding, guys. There was that one. And then the one other one I had, and I've probably told both these stories on this show before, but the other one was this guy was basically doing street jokes. He was doing like Ed jokes. And, you know, me and uh, Marillo are standing in the back just kind of watching him miserable. And then, I like, before he goes to his last joke, he said something like, so what I'm really trying to say is, and me and Marillo just started howling immediately. <laughs> so what I'm really trying to say, like, he's been building up to a point <laughs> up to this whole time. I, I know for me personally, I don't know if this is a good open mic story. I know this is something that happened to me personally was I was on stage and like, I'm, uh, I'm eating shit because this is at the old Pegasus lounge Mm. and it's fucking terrible. And some dude comes up to the front of the stage and goes, I hate you. You fucked faced faggot. (laughs) And I had to stop and appreciate it because I was right. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, you took the moment to alliterate that. And that that's my time, everybody. And I was just like, this right, guy just <laughs> crushed. Let's yeah. hear it for this guy yeah. <laughs> in front of two people, five empty tables and nine, or like not nine. Was people, there like ever a such people. thing as a good night at the Pegasus lounge? There was, I don't believe you. No. The reason why I say that is like, there were, there was like one or two nights. I remember where like people were showing up for like a band that was going to be there. And so we got to go up before the band and do like open mic. And they actually listened and paid attention. Yeah, because they were like, it was one of those things of like, they thought we were like fronting the oh, band. Oh, like you were on tour with, right. with, with, it, uh, with Cattle Massacre. Right. <laughs> and, it was, and, and like, that was one of those nights where it was like, there was only like four of us there, like four comics. So they were like, oh, cool. Like these guys are going to go up before the band and then we're going to hear the band. And I it, came to see Toxic Mutilation and they had some comedians. It was fantastic. Right. And I think that happened like twice. I, re- I remember one of them that like specifically because this was like probably like my fourth month doing comedy and like the guy who was running the open mic at the time was this dude named Joe and he 
actually convinced the band to let us go up in between sets. There were, that seems like a bad way to do more it. More than one so, band? Yeah, so they're, oh, okay. they were having Oh, more between than, bands. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I thought so, you meant between songs. No, I'm like, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. Before we so, play our next hit. <laughs> right. So waka waka. It, honestly, was it like, because it's always death metal bands there, right? It was yeah. like Toxic Massacre or some shit, right? Right, yeah. And it was it was one of those things where it's like people, like, I, I bombed. I, I'll be honest and say I bombed. By I, the way, I'm wearing a Slayer shirt. I was going to say you're wearing a Slayer shirt as you make fun. I, I've been sitting there shitting on metal. As you make fun of metal's names. Uh, I remember bombing, and I specifically remember bombing that night because they played an air raid siren to get me off the stage. Oh, nice. And that broke my spirit a little bit. Uh, I haven't been the same since. Right. But, like, uh, it is, I will say this, it is actually one of those things about, like, Especially now where I've gotten to the point where it's like usually like I still eat dicks from time to time. But like I've gotten to the point now where what I consider a mediocre set still will get compliments from audience members. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things of like looking back on it now, having a night where someone plays an air raid siren to like get you off stage you can you can kind of get off stage now, and it's like, oh, cool. No one has called me a fuck faced faggot <laughs> or played an air raid siren. So, so like, it could, couldn't have been all that bad, right? Exactly. Like, for me, it was always. Uh, I, I'm. I guess I shouldn't exaggerate. There were definitely times where I was in front of audiences that weren't listening to anybody, so you can't take it personally. But I can definitely say that even when I was. That my my like highest achievement as a comic was that even when I was in front of rough audiences, I at least had them listening. That, that was the one thing I could say. I had their attention the whole time. They hated me, but at least they were looking at me. They were intently listening to how much they hate you. <laughs> I uh, I have two stories. Uh, one actually just came to me in this moment. I'm not sure why, um, but it was somebody was on stage. I think it was Vortex. It might have been Vortex, but I know it was an open mic. And they went up and they were doing like okay, but they'd only been like maybe it was a minute and a half, two minutes into the set. He was near the end. I don't think it was Mike Morris, but it was a Mike Morris type. I'm so that's what's in my brain right now. Okay. And the sound cut off. I don't know what happened, but like someone cut the mic. And he was just crushed. He was like absolutely oh. crushed. And everybody's like, no, no, no. Like we, that wasn't intentional. Like the, I don't remember who was emceeing, but they were like, no, 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 that wasn't me. That wasn't me. Like, and like he kept apologizing, but for whatever reason, the guy was already just like heartbroken. It was like, maybe you can't one, recover of, from that. one of the yeah. worst. Cause he had already put into his brain that he wasn't doing well. And I think he was right. doing just fine. Oh. But like the mic got cut. It was brutal to watch that. And then one with me, um, I went to, I was meeting, I was at Debine and I was meeting uh, Fernandez. Like I, this is the first time he shook his hand. Like I put my name down, whatever. Uh, he introduces me. I go up. I'm pretty early in the sets. Oh, I think I was there that I night. I think you were yeah. there too. I think you were there too. Cause I was going to say, I went up, ate it. One of the worst bombs I've ever had. Nobody's laughing. Everyone's just staring at me. And like you said, when you bomb on stage for whatever reason, people like are mad, like <laughs> mad at you for oh, making yeah. them feel oh, this yeah. awkwardness. So I get off stage and I'm just thinking like, you know, you, the things you do, you console yourself like, oh, it's a bad room, whatever, whatever. Like the person before me didn't do too great. And then Jared Walker goes up, kills. Lauren Lance goes up, kills. Oh, I think no. Rafiq right. went up, killed like everybody. Oh, no. And I'm just sitting there in the back, like, 
Oh my God, this is the worst night yeah, of my life. That, that's one of those moments <laughs> where you're like, oh, it's not just me, right? And then like killers oh, no, get up no, after was, you it and it's like, me. oh, it is just yeah. me. Like, <laughs> I did a one sh- thing. And, and the worst part was Rafiq because I was like, oh, maybe they're just racist. And then <laughs> Rafiq. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember I did, uh, I got paid to do a show at the coconuts comedy club not the not the one that's always open but they used to have like a second room at like this motel yeah, in clearwater and like i did a show there and like uh the guy who was like kind of the owner of the comedy portion of it and like the room went up and he just fucking killed the room like up front and like I go up next and I'm like doing okay-ish. And then like I hit a bit where I did a Casey Anthony joke and like just lost them. <laughs> just fucking lost them. To the point they where- They were a big Casey Anthony fan. I like, want to know when you told the joke. Like what year were we? Did this, it ju- Was it this, just announced? Like the verdict was just put down? This is probably like five years ago now. So like- 2015? I, I don't remember like when 20. Casey Anthony was, I'll be honest. It was like maybe 12, 13, something like that. Yeah. And like, it was one of those things where like, I remember getting off and like, it like that room was so terrible because when you got on and off stage, you were basically walking through the audience. So I remember getting off stage and people like, folded arms <laughs> How dare turning you. to look at me as I walked away and like like oh like because that room was like mostly older folks and I remember there was this one old lady who like spent the next three minutes of the feature set just staring at me oh, wow. and it's like, Oh, I can't get any smaller right now. Like I have ruined this. This woman has 12 days left of life and I've ruined one of them for her. Like, did I, have I on this show told the story about the time I, the first time I featured and the guy meeting me at the car? Have I told that story? I don't know if you've told that story on this I show. I know have. you've so told I'll, it to I'll keep me. it short. I'd never featured before. I had a night at the improv that I did exceptionally well. You know, every now and then you just have one of those hero nights and you don't even know what you did. Like, I don't know what I did, but I fucking owned that place, you know? So <clears throat> the guy who ran snappers at the time, was it snappers? Yeah. It's Bob. Yeah. Is he still around that place? No. Oh, okay, <laughs> good. Cause I'm about to talk shit about him. Uh, <clears throat> he saw me that night. He liked me. He calls me. He goes, you want a feature? I go, Hey, I want to, you know, 20 minutes. I can do that. So the show was like months out. It was like in October and we were having this conversation in like, let's say June, right? So I got it on my schedule. I'm getting out of my car to go, like the show starts in like an hour. Getting out of my car, he like runs to meet me in the car and goes, my audience might not understand you. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's, that's the fucking information you could have given me two months ago. What does that mean? <laughs> Well, because I do, I used to do more. I don't know if I was highbrow, but people kind of accuse me of being highbrow. So I used to do kind of more intellectual highbrow shit. I got and you. Uh, you know, he literally like meets me at the car as I'm pulling my nice shirt out. My audience might not understand you, so rewrite all your bits uh, yeah, and make them right. simpler. <laughs> but so on the walk up, I got up there and I ate so much shit. The difference between me and I think a lot of other comics is when I start really eating it. I just enjoy the, like, all right, here we go. This is where we, like, I don't let it 
defeat me. I'm just like, all right, we're all in this misery together. Let's just, let's go down in flames, baby. Let's see what happens, you know? So I essentially got comedy fired and then rehired because I was like, he was like, well, I can't have you go back up and do that again. And so, by the way, the guy who headlined that weekend, his crushing closer was that he said a sentence, but he took all the D's and made them F's. So whenever he said duck, it was fuck. And that was, that was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, that guy, that guy annihilated. <laughs> <laughs> to give us an idea of the room, I got you. Um, so, uh, but I had this idea because I was like, well, I got to do this all weekend. So we eventually downgraded me to host. And I just, I even told him, I'll do this one, this one, and this one. Those are stupid. I'll get a laugh out of those, you know. And also, I'm pretty good at, like, I'm charismatic enough to, like, even if I'm not doing material, I can Vamp. keep the show going, yeah, you yeah. know. So, uh, but I had this idea, well, if I'm going to feature all weekend, and it's going to be like that, I really was considering just bringing a mirror on stage, <laughs> and then every time nobody laughed, just pointing at the mirror and going, ha <laughs> <laughs> There's something to uh, that buildup. Uh, Rafik, you were talking about it, um, where you really do want, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, this is what you know is establishes that you really kind of want it to be the least funny, still a funny person, then the next funniest, and then the yeah. funniest one in that order. When I go on after a John Jacobs or Cam Bertrand, I'm like, can I please like not right. be the next person uh, to go on? After someone destroys, I'm like, I am right. about to and tell it, a joke about ducks. This is not going to go well. Yeah. And it, it's always, What's the deal? right. And that's the thing is like, there's always that issue of like following killers anywhere. And I, I'm sure once you get to the like big, big leagues, that's got to be a fucking problem. Like if it's like, oh, who else is on this show? Oh, well, we got Burr and we got Chappelle and uh, we need you to follow Chappelle. Yeah. And close out the show. It's like, oh, cool. Do you have a gun? Because I just like to shoot myself now. Like, oh, can we can we just do that and skip the emotional pain with physical pain? It's that Dewey Cox. You've seen uh, Dewey Cox, yes. right? Where he goes. So it's the Big Bopper, Elvis Presley, <laughs> and then me. <laughs> I, <laughs> and like, but. There's always <laughs> yeah, that's awful, right? But there, there. So two things along those lines, though, which I find very fascinating is like, so I've been talking to a couple friends who live up in Canada who do comedy because, like, I'm thinking on after the pandemic, I'm gonna try to do more shows and festivals and stuff like that to try and get more bookings and yada yada yada. But I was talking to them about how shows are done in Canada, and the interesting thing about a lot of shows in Canada is they flip the host and the feature, right? Because they go, because when you're talking about doing like the buildup to like the person who's the best out of everybody on that show, they go, we would much rather have someone who is solid through and through up front do 20 minutes and then the guy who would in the U.S. be the host, we're going to take his five or ten minutes and put it in the middle of the show. Mm, so that way, if it bombs, you can still end on the fucking headliner who can crush it. Well, that's set. So it actually right. makes sense that you put it that way, right? You want to open a set with a good hit. You want to end a set with a good hit. So it kind of makes it right. the same kind of. And, like, there's a whole thing built into that where it's like, 
you are like in America, I kind of understand why we do it this way too, though, of like you want to like worst media or like, yeah, worst medium best because like there is supposed to be like a certain amount of ego like at play of like if you're the feature and you and you have it, right? You want to be good enough to the point where it's like it doesn't necessarily piss them off, but you want to, you know, fucking get off the feature set and like look at the headline and be like, follow that shit, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I see it all the time, though. When you go out to like smaller shows and stuff, sometimes the host is just far and away funnier than the feature. Not usually funnier than the headliner, but sometimes you see that the host, the first person to go on, is considerably funnier because, and I'll just say it, a lot of people who stay in the feature maybe aren't as funny as like the newbies coming up. Yeah. Well, I, I, there's I some... think the first time I saw Melton, he was hosting, and he was, I mean, just destroying that place. Milton? It's Milton. Patrick Milton. Sorry, no, no. You don't know? He's good. Yeah. He's solid. He is really solid. But he was like 19 at the time and just didn't look like, like didn't look or sound like a 19-year-old. Like he mm. was just, he was pissing the audience off. <laughs> it was a, <clears throat> I think it was the, the first time Hillary was running for president. And he made some joke where he said something like, you can't, I'm sorry, Patrick, I'm doing your material here. I said, he said something like, you can't elect a woman because they're too emotional and they're not smart enough. That gets a big groan. He goes, women, think about how mad you get about everything. He said, think about how mad you are right now. <laughs> that was when, it was like a 19-year-old kid just <laughs> pissing off everybody. It was beautiful. Nailing what you were just talking about, which is like, this is about me and this is my set. Right. Deal with it. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think that that's a step. That's a step. In, in, yeah. And, in th and that's kind of like a big thing about it, too, is like there is a whole thing about when you get up on stage of like looking at like the Burrs, the Chappelle's, like the Regans, you know, all the like big names out there. There's a certain amount of people who have mastered the art of like, this is me. This is me at 100 and like 10%. You know, come at that, me. I think that's another reason why I started having a hard time on stage. And one of the reasons why I quit was that I started that way. I was always just, this is what I'm about. You know, I would talk about my depression. I'd talk about my sex problems, whatever. And then somewhere along the way, and it wasn't by no means a conscious decision, my brain started going more into like the observational stuff. And the stuff I was writing was more about like fucking toothpaste and it just, it didn't, it wasn't that it didn't feel genuine. It just felt like this doesn't, where do you put this? <laughs> you know, like right. it's, here's my therapy depression joke. Hey, what's the deal with toothpaste? Like it just, I couldn't, I, I got to where I didn't know who I was on stage anymore. Cause I could fall back on my old depression shit and it was usually pretty good, but also like, but I got a really interesting observation about toothpaste now, man. I want to, I want to go with that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's it's always a little weird because like you like we're we're all trying to create the product, right? This is the thing that we can sell to a club or fucking church bake off or whoever hires us to do, you know, like twenty minutes of dick jokes, right? But like, hopefully at the church bake off. <laughs> yes. Right. Hopefully. Especially at the church bake off. Uh but like there's also that thing of like Part of doing that can also subsume 
who you are, who you feel like you are on stage. And like, that's something I know I've personally struggled with because there's that whole thing about like, do you work clean or do you work dirty? And every time I write a joke, I always try to imagine what is the clean version of this and what is the dirty version of this. And nine times out of 10, I go, I want to do the dirty version because I feel like there's sort of like an emotional absence when you when you tell me I can't use the word fuck because you consider that dirty, I go, I definitely want to use the word fuck now because I say the word fuck in common parlance. So you're telling me not to be myself for some reason I don't And this is an argument you understand. and I have been having for as long as I've known you ass, is that I am always championing you to be genuine on stage. I, I, my opinion of what you're, and I'm not saying any of this is right or wrong or that I'm right and you're wrong and none of that bullshit, but yeah, okay, fine. You can write funny one-liners, but where are you? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's the one thing. I think it has always been my experience that the genuine Rafiq is 10 times funnier than the Rafiq who's laboring over trying to make the funny one-liner. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's just me. I I like that, actually. I think that you're coming from a genuine place. There's real truth to that. What I was thinking about was, and I hope it's related because it feels like it is, Chappelle has a bit uh, in Chappelle's show where it's called uh, When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. Right. And I, and I feel like just like uh, most of Chappelle's jokes, I'm not going to gush here, but just like most of Chappelle's jokes have so many levels to them, I think he was talking about his experience. He's talking about how much of myself can I do? How much do I need to pl like play as the dancing monkey kind of thing? Mm. And I think that there is some sort of balancing act between, you know, going full on, I'm Richard Pryor, telling a bunch of jokes to white people how do I live with myself to, you know, I want to only tell these jokes. I don't know, maybe Kaufman. I'm trying to think of a good, right. you know, analogy to this. Like, I think my advice or, uh, you know, nobody's asking for my advice, but my thoughts on this is make them laugh and then do what you want to do. So if you're not making them laugh, you're not doing your job. And that's the first thing. If you have to be completely fake, if it's working, start there, mm. figure out what you can do with that. Because, yeah. You have to make them laugh. I right. think people go the opposite way, and I'm a newbie, so what do I know? But I just, that's my perspective but, on it. But that's part of what I'm talking about as far as developing the product. Because there is a big portion of it where it is, you know, if you, let's say, let's go back to Regan, right? If Regan is functionally underneath everything that he has presented an angry comic, Right, he his jokes are angry, spite filled, whatever. Right, the product that he has developed and sold people is not that thing. Okay. So the so the packaging to, versus the emotion behind it. Right. So to the point, at what point in time do you get to be you? Because oftentimes the thing that people say that they want on stage and. This is kind of an issue because most of the time when you're talking to people about this, you're talking to other comics and other comics will go, well, just be you, mm -hmm. right? Is if just being me doesn't sell, am I really doing comedy if I'm not getting booked, if I'm not being put up in front of people? Because, the you know, like I could go off stage 
the real me makes Alan laugh more than the fake version of me. Great. Is Alan going to fucking pay my bills? Right. That's a good point. <laughs> like, but I think, I think there is a balance there. And I think that <clears throat> this is a little esoteric, maybe boring. But, okay, Bill Hicks. Everybody blows Bill Hicks. Oh, fucking Bill Hicks. I want to be like Bill Hicks. Listen to Bill Hicks and count how many times you actually laugh. He's not that funny. He's compelling. He's very interesting. He's got very cool ways of looking at shit that are funny, inherently funny. Like, oh, I can't believe he looked at it and pulled that out of it. But in terms of actually having a gut-busting belly laugh, who's going to make you laugh harder? Is it going to be Hicks or fucking Regan? Because it's going to be Regan. (laughs) I don't care who you are. The answer is going to be Regan. And as much as I am a Carlin disciple... I can throw that same accusation at later Carlin stuff. How often do you actually laugh at later? So I think I would argue that Regan is not hiding himself. Mm -hmm. He's packaging himself. He's got a sunny disposition. So even when he's being, you know, talking about an anger fantasy, he's doing it in a waka waka kind of way. But I, I don't think that he's disingenuous at all. I think he's, I think it's, it's you know, I used to do it. Here's a good example. Here's a great example. And because I'm going to use myself because I'm a fucking genius. I used to do this joke about how, and it was coming from a very real place where I spend all day stressing about trying to get laid. But then when I'm getting laid, my brain starts to wander into these other weird places. Well, obviously now at 42, I know though that's called anxiety, right? <laughs> but at the time, it was just like, so how did I package that into a joke? I can't even remember. It's been so long, but it was something to the effect of all I'm doing all day is thinking about pussy. And when then when I'm thinking, when I'm getting pussy, all I'm thinking is I just want to watch Iron Man. <laughs> you know? Well, did I ever actually say to myself, I just want to watch Iron Man when I was having sex? No. That never actually happened. But what does happen is that I have a tendency to start going into weird places mentally that take me out of the sexual experience. So I don't feel like I lied at all Mm. on stage. What I did was I took my real anxious experience and I found a way to make it funny. But I'm still talking, the truth underneath that is still there, you know? Well, now we're, I mean, like, and I know we probably shouldn't go on for another fucking two hours because I know we can <laughs> But like we are starting to move into the direction of are we talking about comedy or are we talking about comics? Because there is that whole thing of comics say funny things, comedians say things funny. Okay. Right? So when you're talking about, you know, packaging, there's that whole conversation to be had of like if you're comic right if you're if you're a comic you are just going to say you know like hey look at this silly dog in a silly hat and everybody laughs if you're a comedian you're going to say it's very weird that i own a dog who has his own clothing came with his own clothes and yet i still decided you know what his clothes need we need to get him a little hat 
and some more fashion accessories. And, like, maybe we should get him some rings, too. Like, really go all out with dressing this dog or whatever the case may be, right? And especially in the context of this portion of the conversation, there's a thing, I guess, that could be explored where you're talking about, like, okay, what's the which version of these two is the packaging and which version of these two is you being you? Alan, I want you to know that when Rafiq invited me on the show, he said we were going to talk about sketch comedy. Mm. That was the time. <laughs> in my defense, I was actually planning to ask you, because I know you love writing sketches. Yeah. I was going to start off the conversation talking about Key and Peele and what's your favorite sketch comedy show. Right. And this conversation popped up. So how about this? <laughs> no, I, I a thousand percent blame Rafiq. I don't know if we... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think that... To take your truth and package it as a joke, I don't see that as dishonest. I think, to me, dishonest is going, people like Justin Bieber. By the way, how dated am I? People like Justin Bieber. I should think of something funny to say about... Like, I don't give a fuck about Justin Bieber. There's no truth in that. I'm sitting here with a Slayer shirt on. Why don't I say something funny about Slayer? You know what right. I mean? Like, I'm not going to... That, to me, is when a comedy becomes dishonest is when you're going, people like I should. No, you start with I think. And it doesn't even have to be your sexual anxieties. It doesn't have to be that, you know, <laughs> when I started when That's I started relief. doing, you know, when I started doing toothpaste jokes, it literally came from an honest place where I was at a, a fucking Target and I saw a crest called Crest 3D. <laughs> and it fucking pissed me off. 3D. Yes. What we, does that mean? We, we've talked about this many times. Right. Rafiq, can we talk about your sexual anxiety? I mean, I have plenty of them. That's why I think the rest there, of this. There's, an, my point there's is an entire episode, before we get into that, there's an entire episode where Alan and another guest yeah. of ours, Rob, we never released that fucked episode. Fucked me, like, went down and really talked fucked about Fucked you and went down on you. It was a really gross episode. Right. We, we really talked about how fucked up I am. <laughs> Uh, sexually and th that was one of those things of like oh we should do this for like a Patreon release or something like kind of like a private episode for people and now it's gotten to the point of like no let's just bury it so it never sees the light of day let's let's just hold let you'd have one subscriber and it'd be like the, the defense department <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> like anyway I'm gonna say that and I'm gonna stop talking about this my toothpaste joke was not dishonest because it came from a genuine reaction that I had to a thing called Crest 3D. And I, I thought that was so stupid and frustrating and and so, like, obvious marketing. That, I mean, it's like you're not even trying to trick me anymore. And it was just like, it just pissed me off. And then I made a silly fourth-dimensional teeth joke. And thank God, Crest 3D brought my teeth back into the third dimension where they belong. You know, and, and I'm going to say this because I've told you this a million <laughs> times. It shouldn't be four dimensions. It should be two dimensions yeah, into the flat. third You're dimension. Right. You're right. <laughs> You're right. You are right. I'm not arguing with you. My point is, do I have fourth dimensional teeth? No. I still wasn't lying on stage. I was. It was coming from my genuine frustration at how stupid it is that a toothpaste company tries to get it. Well, everybody's watching 3D movies. Let's call our toothpaste 3D. 
you know, it, it's probably not a good idea for me to circle back around. I'm, so I'm not going to do this, but I would do want to like for since we're actually in real life friends, want to talk more about your developing one liners. Um, Alan had an interesting perspective on that. So I'm just pointing out, I want to talk about that, but we don't have to workshop your jokes <laughs> <laughs> on your podcast. All right. So we're almost at two hours. I say, I say you guys don't have to do this if you don't want. So we did miserable open night experiences. Why don't we end with stories that you have? You, you are allowed to brag on yourself. Why don't you tell us some stories about some hero nights you had on stage? Yeah, sure. I Alan, mean, you want to start? I, do I want to start? Mine is just about not like actually dodging the tomatoes. Like I, I, they didn't hit me one night. I, <laughs> I want to hear that. <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I will tell you my favorite. I like. I've I've had a couple hero night moments over the course of my career, but I will tell you my favorite one of all times because there is something like deep down in my heart that like. This was this was the first real hero night I had ever had and had uh, has always stuck with me because it was like, oh wow, that's such a real feeling of validation. So like Big J came uh, to Tampa and I got to I, I got to open for him, right? Okay. And this is like year two or year three, right? So like I'm still fairly new, you know, I'm just kind of getting there. And somebody like I fucking crushed it. Like I, you know, Alan knows me well enough to know, like, and you know me well enough to know that, like, I never go. I crushed it. I go like if I did. Sorry, right. it happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why I say that is like I did it. Fucking everybody from like the third floor to the second floor just fucking laughing their ass off. And after the show, we're doing the meet and greet, and I'm standing next to Big J. And this has probably been the best compliment I've ever gotten in my career was somebody came up to me and they're like, that, like, holy shit, that was fantastic. And, like, Big J is standing next to them and they turn to Big J and they go, that joke is so good, you should steal it from him and use it in <laughs> wow. your act. Wow. And that was, and again, to be told, because, like, I love Big J. And to be told, like, Holy shit. This person likes my material so much that they go, you should take it from him to make, to make your you better. act yeah. better. Like your bet. You weren't good enough. So you should take his <laughs> shit to be as good as him. Right. Yeah, and it's good. like, and again, that, that was one of those moments where like on the inside, I'm like, all right, don't cry. Like, don't cry. Oh. Like, yeah, like, wow. Yeah. All right, Steven. No, no, no. I definitely want to hear yours, Alan. No, I got the, the when you were talking about the mic cutting out, it just, I remembered I did a show with uh, uh, Johnny B and it was like in a, it was like in a community theater. And uh, I got up there. I was first, I think I was like guest spotting. I don't even think I got paid that night. And um, the mic kept cutting out like early on. It wasn't like three minutes in, you know, and within the first two jokes, the mic just kept cutting out, cutting out. So, <clears throat> God has blessed me with a booming, deep voice. I was a teacher at the time. So I just grabbed the mic stand, and I just moved the mic out of the way. Because I was like, well, this... I, I wasn't thinking I was doing anything cool. I was just going, this thing keeps cutting out. This isn't going to work. So I just grabbed the mic stand, and I moved the mic out of the way. And the whole place started going like, ah! Like I had just done the coolest, most baller thing. And I fucking had him by the balls for that. Because I... 
now it was kind of like a one-man show. Like, when I was setting up the joke, they were, like, really intently listening, you know, because it's just me on a stage, and I'm kind of doing the stalking back and forth thing, being very animated, you know. And I, I didn't, with all my heart, it wasn't me going... I'm going to fucking be badass. It was just, well, this isn't working and I need to finish my jokes. And uh, just that night, like specifically Johnny has on more than one occasion, like brought that up. That was so cool, man. It was like watching a one man show, what you did that night. And I was like, I didn't do anything. I just, I was, it, it was community theater. It was literally acoustically designed for me to not have to have a microphone. Like it's not, it, to me, I wasn't doing something cool. You know, but, but I think you nailed it because you seemed so in control of the room that I think everybody was willing to go with you, and that it would probably helped the performance. They're just like, "Oh, this guy's a professional; he knows exactly <laughs> what to do." I guess right here. Um, so when I started first, like I knew I wanted to be on stage basically my whole life. I, I knew I wanted to do comedy, but um, I first started just like watching open mics and watching shows at the Tampa Improv. Um, in fact, uh, you were one of the first <laughs> open mics I went to to watch. And I, I remember you were on stage at one of the first ones I went to at the improv. Um, and it just felt like, even though I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then I was like, wow, I don't want to be at all like that guy. I Got <laughs> 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 to work hard. That's what we call in teaching a non-example. Yeah. <laughs> but, but for real, I, um, I just, it's, it seemed so terrifying to me. And then I went, my first time on stage was at Coconuts where I like blacked out. I got off stage and I was like, everyone's like, oh my God, it was great. And I was like, cool. I don't know what I did. Um, (laughs) But I got to a a place where um, I, you know, worked up my courage to finally go to the improv. This is literally years later. And um, I just watched people eat it, eat it, eat it, you know, before me. And I'm like, oh my God, this is gonna be terrible. And I go up and my jokes are doing okay, but my, working with the crowd and like playing off of it was doing like great. Like it was bringing the house down. And after that, it was went during that period where they had the very brief showcase uh, there. And I got paid for the showcase because I did so well. And it was like at the improv where I was like, where else you go? Right. To like, cause nobody's like really with you in that room. You really got to earn it most of the time. And it just felt really good. Like it really like, you know, uh, Jeff Ray was like, you, you're on the showcase, like, because wow, of how well I did in great. that room, which was like emblematic of me being like, all right, I might be making some progress here. First time I did the main stage at the improv before I even grabbed the mic, I went over and I hugged the improv logo. The audience had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I didn't care. It's like, I'm on the actual, I got up, I didn't wave. I, people are, they're still playing the music and I just went and I hugged the improv logo. Right. It's not about you. It's about right. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say something about like the whole blacking out thing. To me, that's when. So like, usually you don't know when you're gonna have a hero night. To me, when I have that moment where I shut off thinking, is when I know I'm gonna have a hero night. Because to me, there, the, I've always described it to Alan as like, the to me doing comedy on like a big stage feels like doing a trapeze act. Of like at a certain point when my brain stops going, okay, and now I say this and then I fly over here and I grab onto this. When my brain shuts off and I'm just doing it. Muscle memory. Right. Where and it's not even uh, trapeze is a perfect example of that. Right. Because those people aren't thinking, I have to jump here and flip here. It's just in their bones. Right. And th- for me, when I hit that moment where I go, oh, I'm just flying. 
I'm just flying now. Yeah. And that's when I, I notice every time I hit that point, that's when I start playing off of shit. Like, uh, I, rem- <laughs> I remember I did one show at the improv and like, I said something to like one of the audience members about being biracial or whatever. And there was this cute, like interracial couple at like the, like one of the front tables. And I was like, I'm so glad you guys got together because that's how you get people like me, mm. you know, and like she kind of laughed and like he made a face and I was like, don't make a face at me, man. I'll break you guys up before the night's over oh. if, you keep, if you keep on looking at me like that. And that's when he laughed. And then I was like, oh, I got this. Nice. nice. Like I like I again, because that moment I knew that I was supposed to say something like right. the bit. Yeah. But I said that instead. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm just going to be golden for the rest of the time on stage. I've got 15 more minutes. I'm 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 just fucking knock, knocking this out of the park and that's it. You know. Yeah, I think that that uh I think I've heard that uh, described as flow and it's like in any in any career or any field or whatever it's like just flow. It's just you're just in flow now. I'm sure I've said this before. I I I got about four stories in my life that I just <laughs> but, you just recycle them at yeah. certain points. I I'm turning into my dad. Every time my dad tells me the story he's been telling me since I was a child, it's the first time he's ever told me. Let me tell you about, okay, dad. Um, but I will say this, and the two of you will understand this. I was watching this documentary about metal, and Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden, he said something like, you can be in a stadium in front of thousands of people, but on a night that it's going really well, you can put that entire stadium on the tip of your thumb. I had no idea what those words meant. And he didn't make any effort to elaborate on what those words meant until I had one of those weird hero nights. And it, the improv was packed. And it was one, again, like I said before, it was one of those nights where even I didn't understand, like, how am I doing this well? I'm not this funny, you know? And I got it at that moment. It was just this idea, like, we were all one being, and it was just, it was on the tip of my thumb. At that moment, and I finally, I went. I know what that fucker was talking about. Now, you know. Did you have either of you guys seen that uh, new Pixar movie, uh, Soul? Not it. So Not like, yet. so they have a great description for artists where they talk about the zone, right? And they go, the zone is this place for like artists or professionals or whatever, where like you're in between. And, like, in the movie, like, you're in between, like, the spirit and, like, the physical world. And it's the notion of, like, people who hit the zone are just present there. And especially when you're talking about, like, the arts or you're talking about, like, at, like athleticism or whatever your thing is. Mm-hmm. When you're just in the zone, there is a huge amount of, like, it's just on the tip of your thumb, mm. right? We're do- It's just here. There's, there's no, this is what I got to do next. This is, uh, nope. I am playing piano and that's it. I am, it's just me and the music. And it's like, oh dude, if we woke you up from this moment, you'd realize there's 5,000 people right, staring right, at right, you. And yeah, fall, yeah. you fall to the ground. Like, right, like you're right back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, boys. It's been about two hours. We're going to have to split this one up into part A and part B, apparently. Oh, Steven, you got anything you want to? social or the stuff or the place or the thing oh god um i don't i don't either if your answer is no so don't worry (laughs) about it um i have a pretty inactive twitter account um on um 
ship name Drake. It's at ship name Drake uh, for my podcast, which we are restarting. So nice. I don't know, maybe when you guys release this or if, you know, when people listen to it, they'll mosey over to our podcast, which is um, the anti-matters podcast. It's about nerd culture and nerd stuff. We kind of branched out to talk about a lot of stuff, but it does tend to follow um, back around there. Like where we have an episode coming up that will be about anime uh, specifically. Right. Um, like- well, I, I happen to know, and this is just my personal opinion, but I'm pretty certain this guy over here is a nerd. He doesn't like the label, but I'm pretty certain he fits into that box. So I do hate anime. So I don't know if that counts. <laughs> yes, don't have him on that episode. I'm probably have, the le- have him on the episode you talk about DC. But yeah. like, I, I probably <laughs> will actually, Alan, because I need I need comic people. Uh, I don't well, really have a lot of comic. Uh, that's uh, I've wasted a lot of time <laughs> in that world. Uh, so I don't have anything to promote or anywhere you should follow me. Yeah, um, but you can follow us on our. Uh, Twitter account, and you can also buy one of our T-shirts mm-hmm. from uh, Teespring. It's got pictures of our faces on it. Yes, so you can wear your face on our uh, our face on your tits, right? <laughs> Which is what I hope for every man out there. <laughs> That's my payment, right? Is one of your T-shirts we're coming on? Yeah, sure, sure. fantastic. Sure. Yeah, a, I want I want your faces on my tits. Is what I'm trying <laughs> to get at. Well, we can make that happen. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that's that's the episode so how about this so how about this oh how about this am i supposed to say so how about this so how about this so how about this, so how about this? <laughs> <laughs>